So much of modern motherhood is spent wishing we were doing better, whether we're comparing ourselves to other moms or to the ideal mom we assumed we'd be before we had kids. But this wishing takes us further and further away from joy, and it stops us from being the mom we want to be. I'm Rebecca Brownwright, and I'm here to help you focus on connection, because connecting more deeply with yourself and with your kids will help you forget about mom comparisons. Connection will help you resolve behavior issues with your kids, and connection will help you live a life full of real joy, because that's what you and your kids deserve. Pause and connect with me for a moment to listen to discussions about connection and motherhood, finding your purpose, smashing cultural narratives, and so much more. This is Pause and Connect. Hello, and welcome to Pause and Connect. This is episode 36, and it's called You Have to Act. Okay, this episode is brought to you by my laziness. Um, I kind of think every episode is somehow just uh, an an example of something I am struggling with or something that I once struggled with and I figured out how to how to handle it. So this is a little peek into my life. I will tell you I have struggled with this, um, this challenge that we're going to talk about today. So uh, when I say my laziness, it's, it's like, the, you know, the other day I was giving directions to one of my kids from across the room and it wasn't going so well. And I know as soon as I said across the room, you probably were like, oh yeah, that didn't work out, right? Because it just doesn't work out very well. My kids weren't understanding me. They weren't tuning they they weren't tuning into what I was saying and they were tuning me out. And whatever I was trying to say was totally getting lost. So I'm sure we've all been there. <laughs> and something else that we've probably all experienced is that frustration of when we tell our children something and then they turn around and do the opposite of what we just said. So for example, like 9 a.m., we they hit their sibling and we say, you, you're not allowed to hit your sibling. And then at 9.30 a.m., they're hitting their sibling again. And, you know, like maybe we even took the time at 9 a.m. to explain how deeply impacted their sibling is when they're hit, the moral reasoning behind the rule to not hit, and, and everything like that. But then at 9.30, they go ahead and hit their sibling anyway. And I mean, there are so many examples of how we do this. Like we explain something to our kids and they don't follow through or they 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 don't get the message that we're trying to say. And it's it's really frustrating. So what are we supposed to do? <laughs> well, let's talk today about some things you can do to make this less frustrating for you and to help your child follow through with behavior that is more appropriate. Let's, it's always nice when we can help the child have better behavior and we can help ourselves feel less frustrated, right? So I have four reasons today why our kids are not following through with the things that we're telling them to do. And then some mindset shifts and suggestions that we can all take and work on. So the first one is to stop explaining and expecting your child to follow through. Now, I know, I don't like this tip either. <laughs> I want to simply explain what my child needs to do and have them follow through. That would be so ideal. <laughs> but I don't know, 99% of the time, what's what's your what's your percentage? I'm going to say 99% of the time, it just is not going to be that way. We can't say, do this thing and then expect that they're going to follow through without any problem or stop doing this thing. That's probably a better, a better example. It's harder for them to stop doing something that we don't want them to do um, when we've told them to stop doing it, right? So it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. We have to stop explaining and expecting our kids to follow through. So why though? Why? What is behind this? Well, memories are short. <laughs> Long-term memory is still being developed in our little kiddos. Um, and working memory is not developed either. Like that takes a really long time to develop. So working memory is the memory that you access in the moment. So it's like when you read a recipe and then you do what you just read, you know, like 
you measure whatever it just said and, and put it into whatever you're supposed to put it into. What you did is you kept that memory in your brain long enough to act. So it's like the, the short-term memory that you're using to do something with. That's kind of what working memory is. Um, understood.org has an article on it and I like this explanation. They call it a temporary sticky, sticky note in the brain. So it's a sticky note in the brain that allows you to hold the information you need long enough to do something with it, but it's temporary. It goes away. So in kids, working memory is not fully developed. So let's go back to that hitting example. If you tell them it really hurts their sibling when they hit them, they they may understand it when you're saying it, but they're gonna have a difficult time remembering what to do with that information because their working memory is not developed. So like they get it, but they don't know what to do with the information. And then especially if their sibling takes a toy from them two minutes later and their emotions are heightened, then they might react without without thinking about it. And they might hit their sibling without thinking about it, even though you just told them two minutes ago not to do it because their working memory is already weak. And then their emotions are not, their emotional control is not developed yet. That doesn't develop until like they're in their twenties. Like this stuff doesn't fully develop until we're in our twenties. So they have these huge emotions that are overriding their logic and they don't have the working memory to remember that you said not to hit them and to know what to do with that information. And they don't have solid impulse control. <laughs> it's like a triple whammy. So that's not fully developed yet either. That doesn't develop until our 20s. So even if you laid it out super clearly, you had their eye contact, you were down on their level, you explained it, you said, sweetie, we don't hit because it hurts people. And they said, okay, mommy, I'm not going to hit anymore. Two minutes later, they still might because their impulses may override whatever they stored away in their brain when you talk to them, which remember was not very much probably because their working memory has not developed and their emotional control is not fully developed. And so the emotions override what they know underneath the surface, what, the, what you're trying to teach them, their emotions override that. So like they don't have things set up in their brain to follow through in the appropriate way 100% of the time. Sometimes they can. And that's what's really confusing to us as parents. Like, because sometimes you see them hear you, understand you, and follow through. And then there's these other times where they don't. And so it's like, ah, if they can do it sometimes, why don't they do it all the time? But First of all, think about yourself. Can you really follow through with everything all the time? Like sometimes I can wake up at six in the morning, go for a run, do some chores, get to work. Like I can, sometimes I can do that with no problem. And sometimes I cannot wake up at six o'clock. I cannot get myself to go out for a run. You know, like sometimes I can, sometimes I can't. With my kids, sometimes I can keep my cool and not yell at them. Sometimes I can totally understand where they're coming from and sometimes I can't. So why do we expect our kids to be able to remember what we've said all the time, 100% of the time? And remember, if you're in your mid twenties or older, you have the fully developed brain with the working memory, the, um, the emotional control, the impulse control, like you've, you've got that fully developed or close to fully developed. And so even still you struggle we all do. We all still struggle with being consistent in our behavior. So we can't expect our kids to be consistent in their behavior, right? So it takes a really long time to solidify a concept and it takes a lot of practice and it takes growing up. Frankly, it just takes time for their brains to mature. And it takes a lot of guidance and connection from parents. And we'll be talking about that all through this episode. So that I find to be so helpful 
when I am struggling. It's is to remember that my child's brains can't always do what I'm asking them to do. And there are many really good reasons for that, like biological reasons for that. So there's also biological reasons why I'm going to get frustrated, right? Like, and, and it's okay that I get frustrated, but sometimes just having that knowledge in your pocket, just knowing like, I know I told my kid two minutes ago not to hit their sibling and they're doing it now, but their emotional control is, is out of whack today. Like that is so empowering because you don't have to feel overwhelmed that they're not listening to what you just said. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, one thing I think that we really like to do, cause we don't, we don't want to spank. We don't want to yell. We're really trying to be calm parents. And so one thing that we, we do, we replace the spanking and the yelling with calmly explaining things to our kids, right? Like that we want to be the Zen parent and just calmly explain things. Um, so here's an example, like your, your child is playing too close to the road. So you want to be calm. You don't want to yell and punish. So you take the time to explain. And this seems to be a much better avenue than yelling and spanking. And, you know, it probably it's it's definitely less um, hurtful to our children, but it doesn't it doesn't accomplish the goal of helping them develop a skill, helping them be successful in what they're trying to do. And so I'm going to kind of break that apart to explain why Um, explaining things to our children calmly and expecting them to follow through is is not a solid um, swap for spanking. Like it's better than spanking, but it's still going to leave you frustrated because they don't have the executive functions to follow through with what you're saying. So it's okay, we've got our kid playing close to the road. We don't wanna spank them, we don't wanna yell at them, we don't, we don't wanna punish them or be angry at them. We're really trying not to, not to do that, right? So. The, the thing that we have is to calmly explain. So we say, sweetie, we can't play close to the road. And, and we're saying this from the porch, okay? We can't play close to the road. If we play too close, we might step into the road without realizing it and a car could come by and hurt us. And also drivers can't see children very well. So we need to stay back. Please come here. You know, like that's so much. And it's just, it's overwhelming to a kid's brain. But then like, the, so the child tunes us out. Um, they don't they don't respond. They don't come close. So we're going to stay calm. We're going to explain again, sweetie, it's really unsafe to play so close to the road. Remember, cars can't see you. You need to stay back. You are too close. Please come to me. But the child is still tuning you out, right? And by this point, that's when our frustration rises and that we might yell and we might go over and yank on them and say, I told you to stay away from the road. You know, like that's where um, the frustration takes over and does things that we don't want to do. So this is, this is like, like I say, that's why calmly explaining sounds like a really good way to parent, um, and a, a better way to parent than, than spanking and yelling, but it doesn't work because our kids can't hear us. They can't understand what is being said and our frustration rises in, in the end. Now, like, I want to be careful with this because I don't want to be, I don't want to be making a blanket statement here. Like sometimes calmly explaining is going to work. It, it is. But when that is our go-to all the time, our kids will tune us out. I hope, 
I hope that as you listen, you're going to see the distinction here. So hang in here with me. If you're, if you're sitting here arguing in your mind and thinking, no, like calmly explaining totally works for me. I keep my cool. Like, yes, you're probably doing it in the way that I'm going to explain. Um, but when we're just trying to calmly explain instead of yell, and when we're just trying to calmly explain in order to control their behavior, it doesn't work. So explanations. The reason for this is ex explanations are just too much in the moment. Um, because of that poor working memory, that poor emotional control, that undeveloped, um, all those undeveloped executive functions, they just make it really difficult for children to hear your explana explanations and act in the way that you want them to act. And especially if danger is present. So with the child by the side of the road, this is actually not the time to use nice explanations from across the, the lawn, right? This is where the title of my episode comes in. You have to act. You just do. Instead of explaining, you have to go to your child and pick them up. And so, but here's the trick. Like you don't pick them up with anger. You do it in a connected way and you're not picking them up and giving them a long lecture. You can snuggle your face close to theirs and speak gently to them and then bring them over to a toy near the house and, and get them over to where you want them to be. And then when they're in a safe place, you can get down next to them and stay connected and explain why we don't pay, play close to the road. So you still teach the principle, but you're not doing it when they're involved in something and tuning you out. So hopefully that makes sense. It's it's about going, acting, picking them up, connecting with them, bringing them away from the danger and then explaining and explaining briefly, you know, like, oh, we can't play so close to the, to the road. Stay closer here with mommy. And then, and then doing something really fun. Now this is for like a toddler, of course. Um, so, uh, let's, let's talk about another example. This one will be like less dangerous. So let's say that your, your child is digging near your garden and you're worried that they're going to pull up your plants. And so if you're sitting on the patio and you say, don't dig up the plants, those are mommy's plants. They're important to me. You need to scoot away from the plants. Like that's too much explanation, right? Sometimes we think we're doing the right thing by giving our children several chances. And I, I, I read about this a lot where we're trying to be gentle. And so we, we say, the, don't dig up the plants. Those are mommy's plants. And then they keep digging. And then you say, remember, I told you not to play near the garden. You need to move away. If you don't listen, I'm going to have to take your shovel away. You know, and we're giving them so many chances as we are across the yard. This is, again, is too much. Again, you have to act. Title of this episode, you have to act. Before trying to explain anything to your child, act, go to them, show them the right thing, connect with them. So in this example, you could crouch down and look at what they're digging. That's a way to connect to them. And oh, wow, I think you found a worm. And then let them show you what they found. And then you can direct them away from the garden because you are connected at this point. You can, you have their attention. They want to be near you. And so then, oh, let's go make a home for the worm on the other side of the garden because I don't want us to actually accidentally dig up our yummy vegetables that are growing. And you see how you don't have to explain and explain and explain and say, if you don't, then I'm going to, if you don't, I'm going to take away your shovel. Like you don't have to do that because you've connected with them. You've acted, you've gone to them and they've learned the lesson. They've learned like, oh, this is not a place to play. Like I can play over here. Your action and connection helps them learn where they should play. So what about teens? Let's say your teen keeps getting on their phone outside of your agreed upon hours. 
So if you keep explaining and explaining, it's only going to frustrate you and your teen. So remember, even teens don't have fully developed impulse control, working memory, long-term memory, and emotional control. So instead of in the moment saying, remember, you can't be on your phone past nine. It's not healthy for your eyes and your brain. If you do it again, I'm going to take your phone. Oh, see how that's just like so much explanation. Instead of them, go to them and, and connect and use curiosity. Sweetie, do you remember our rule? Just like that that little sentence. Do you remember our rule? And chances are, if you're parenting like this all the time, they're going to respond fine. They're going to they're going to be like, "Oh yeah, I remember the rule." Um they might they might even apologize. And I I say this from experience. I did not used to parent this way. I do parent this way now. And so my teenager who has had this parenting for about 7 years, she used to resist and fight and it was always a long drawn out thing but she does not do that anymore. So if, if this was our scenario and I went to her and I'm like, hey, sweetie, do you remember our rule? She would sh- shut off her phone. Uh, this has happened before. She shuts off her phone and, oh, I'm sorry, mom. I, I know I shouldn't have done that. And I don't have to lecture her. I don't have to go into some long thing. The next thing that we can do is we can problem solve together. Like, it seems like this is kind of a consistent problem. What should we do? And she's there, she's with me, she's connected with me, and she is willing to um, to problem solve and go through it and, and figure out what's going to work. And never in there do I have to lecture and say like, like you are disobeying, you are, I can't trust you, all of that, that sort of thing. Like that's not necessary when you go and you connect and you're curious and you you just you um, don't over explain. None of that is necessary. They're smart. Kids are so smart and they can figure things out. Like the garden example I had, like they're they can so easily figure out if you go over and you get connected with them and you say, Oh, I love this worm you found. Let's put it over here away from the vegetables, because I don't want us to accidentally dig up the vegetables. That's like that's going to stick in their mind. It was a positive experience. They feel like th- that makes sense to them. Um, it, it, you made it meaningful to them. You made it connected. And so next time they're out there, they're probably not going to go to that area to dig. Um, they're going to remember to stay on the other side. And of course, like this could take a lot of repetition, but, um, but that's, that's the idea. And like I say, I did not parent this way. I do parent this way now. And so I can see how it used to be resistance and defiance and fighting that now is like cooperation. It's, it's like, I'm used to my mom respecting me and cooperating with me. So when I mess up, I'm going to listen to her and, and we're going to work this out. And so it's, it's totally different. So I, that's, that's, you know, my, my plug for the way I've experienced it. But, um, but this, yes, this, this makes sense. I hope, I hope it's making sense to you. So, okay. The second reason why our kids aren't listening to us when we're giving explanations is it's annoying to listen to so many words. It really is. Have you ever had a boss who tells you to do some task, like especially let's say you already know how to do it, and then they keep going and keep explaining, explaining, explaining? It really feels demoralizing. Like seriously, you don't think I can figure this out? Or, or like, okay, let me get, let me get to it. Let me figure it out. You know, like it just feels like they don't have any trust in you, and nobody wants to hear about how they might be doing something wrong. And you know, going to your child, like if 
if your child is caught up in something fun, they certainly don't want to stop and listen to your explanations, right? It's it's annoying. So say like like that example from before, earlier with the the child playing too close to the road, they're having fun. And so if you're like, sweetie, you can't play close to the road because it's dangerous and the cars can't see you. Like that's, that's annoying. They don't want to hear it. And I'm not saying you are annoying. I'm just saying like, this is how it's filtering into our children's brains. And we need to be aware of that. So saying, sweetheart, you need to get off the counter because it's very dangerous and you could fall. That's just so annoying, if, especially if you're saying it from across the way, like, like the other side of the room. Hearing, hearing after that, because this, this continues to happen in, when we're trying to be gentle, we give lots of explanations. So uh, your next thing might be like, sweetie, if you don't get off the counter, I'm going to take away your stuffed animal. That's also annoying. And your child is tuning you out by this point. You're not connecting. And so there's, there, there's no reason for your child to do what you're asking because they're not interested. And remember, their brain isn't fully developed. And so they can't tune into you when there's so many other things going on. Instead, show them. Remember the title of this episode, you have to act. Show them how to be successful. Be with them and show them. So as soon as your child is up on the counter, you have to act. You walk over, pick them up, give them a hug, add the connection in there, walk to the couch where you can sit down and read a book. This is an ideal situation. I know we can't do this all the time, but we're going to talk in ideals so that we can try to to make the time for these types of things. And then over time, you don't have to do this every time. So Anyway, you're going to read a book on the way to the couch, say something simple and short, like the sweetie, the counter is not a safe place to climb. Simple and sweet and to the point, but they're already in your arms. You're already connected. Like you could be saying that across the kitchen and they're not going to act. Sweetie, this counter is not a safe place to climb. You need to get down. Like they're not going to be able to take all that information in and process it into action. But when you pick them up and you snuggle them and you hold them and you tell them the counter is not a safe place to climb, they're going to learn the lesson. And of course it could take many, many times, but that's the way they're going to learn the lesson. They don't need long explanations. They need connection and direction. Now, in this scenario, your child might not want to read a book instead of climb on the counter, right? Like climbing is way more fun. So you may need to provide something physical for them to do. So you could walk outside and the counter is not a safe place to climb, but we can run around outside. Or if you can't do that because you can't be outside, you could say the counter is not a safe place to climb, but I see you really want to wiggle. Let's turn on some wiggle music or put a bunch of pillows on the floor and let your child jump into them. Like there are so many things that you can do, but the main point here is don't annoy your child with explanations while they're doing the thing they want to be doing. And again, I'm not calling you annoying. I'm not calling us annoying. I'm just saying that's how it filters into their head. Like, oh, all this, all these words coming at me, trying to get me to stop doing this fun thing that I'm doing, it, it they will tune you out. So instead, Take action, remove them from the situation, connect with them, give them a short and sweet reason as to why, and give them something else to do. What about an older child? So you ask them to do a chore and they don't do it. You may be tempted to say, everyone in this family contributes, contributes, sorry, that word got caught there. So everyone in this family contributes. What would it be like if I stopped cooking food for you? You need to do what I've asked you to do. If you don't, I'm going to take away phone privilege, right? Like. That's, that's the typical way we do it. Now, it makes sense that, that we want to do it this way because we know our child is gonna learn valuable lessons from doing their chores and we need the chores to get done. And so we also don't wanna leave it open so that our child ignores us and doesn't do the chore. So giving that preemptive consequence makes sense. You know, we're really trying to control the outcome here. But 
there's no connection in that approach. So what child is going to want to follow through? Some may follow through because they feel guilt or they feel fear of the consequence, but some just might not care. Think about your boss again. If they're always telling you you have to do this thing or there's going to be a consequence, you're going to stop caring after a while and you're going to start looking for another job. And we definitely don't want our kids to stop caring and looking for connection in another place, right? So use connection and action in this scenario. Your child isn't going to do their chore. Get curious and go over to them and connect with them. Sit down next to them. Sweetie, what's up? Maybe they're in the middle of a text conversation with their friends. Maybe they're lying on the couch because it feels good after a long day. Maybe they lost their inertia and moving on to something else sounds really unfun. Like we all have experienced that. We know what that's like. Maybe they hate the chore. They don't know how to do it. Maybe they're working on something. Like, But the point is when you go over and you connect and ask them what's going on, they can tell you this. Then you can accept what they say is valid because it is valid. Whatever reason somebody doesn't want to do a chore is totally valid. Who wants to do chores? And then show them that it's valid and then brainstorm. So one way this might look with connection is like, yeah, you know, I hate getting off the couch when I'm comfortable too. And your day was probably really long today. And my day was long today too. I'm going to lie down for a minute too. That sounds nice. And you're staying connected with them and you're talking to them and you're hearing them and whatever they want to talk about, you're listening to. And then after a minute, you can get up and say, well, that was nice to rest. I need to get my chore done. What's your plan for getting yours done? You know, like that's so much better than calling from across the room and yelling at them or, or, or politely saying, sweetie, you need to get off your phone, but from across the room and then saying, if you don't get off your phone, I'm going to take away your, your phone privileges for two days. You know, like that does not connect and does not help the behavior change. Um, but sitting down and empathizing with them and, and validating their concerns and being connected, that will help them attune to you. So they'll want to change. So another way this might look is, oh yeah, I see you're right in the middle of a project or you're right in the middle of texting your friends. I, I wouldn't want to stop either. When are you going to reach a stopping point and can you do the chore then? Do you see how a lot of this is really just treating your child like the human being that they are, right? Somewhere along the way, society got the idea that children should do what adults say simply because they're children. But that's not a mindset that you have to carry on. Children are full human beings. They have opinions and emotions and needs. They get tired and cranky just like we do. They want love and connection just like we do. So remembering that is really key to choosing how to react when they don't do what we want them to do. And again, why should they want to do what we want them to do, right? Just because we care about something doesn't mean that our child is going to care about it. You know, you may have a rule that they can't eat cookies until after dinner, but that rule doesn't make sense to them. Or maybe shoes have to be worn outside, but they're excited in the moment. They just want to go outside and play. Your rule is not their rule. Like they, they simply don't care. Now, of course, they can learn to follow rules, but this is talking, this is more about our mindsets. We can't expect them to care and want to follow through with what we're saying. And when we respect that, that goes a long way. And it does not mean that the rules have to go out the window, not at all. We can still insist that shoes are worn outside, that we don't play by the street, that we don't dig up mom's garden. We can still insist all of that and have firm rules. But understanding that children are full human beings with opinions and desires can help in how this is approached. So let me let me kind of use the shoe example to, to show how this is approached. Your child keeps running out 
wearing shoes. Um, and this, this is, I mean, sorry, not wearing shoes. They're running out and you know that there it's, it's not a safe place to be going outside without shoes on. And your rule is you have to have shoes on outside. And it's a, it's a legitimate rule. You've thought it through. It makes sense for where you live and you need to have your children wear shoes. Okay. So what you can do is, is first remember it is way more fun to run outside barefoot. And I can understand that my child wants that. And so when they go out there, they're not being defiant. They're not being bad. They're just being kids. And so my mindset is 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 going to be my, my kids are not doing this to make me mad. Okay. They don't have their executive functions developed and they they it's just fun to go outside barefoot, right? So they don't have to like the rule, okay? That's the first step. And then you can use scaffolding to help your children learn these undesirable necessities like wearing shoes outside. So scaffolding is where you provide support and then you gradually take it away over time as your child gets better at at accomplishing the thing that they're supposed to be accomplishing. So in the case of shoes outside, you might, like they run outside barefoot, what you could do instead of standing at the door and saying, you have to wear shoes. If you don't wear shoes, I'm going to take away your stuffed animal or take away screen time. You know, like instead of that, because that's not connecting, you can go find the shoes, go out to them in your hand and help them put the shoes on while you explain the rule. And you can do it in a really loving, connected way, like give them a hug and crouch down and, hey, sweetie, I know it's fun to be barefoot, but we have to wear shoes because whatever, you know, there's spiders or whatever it is. Um, and, and so, so you, that that's like the first step of scaffolding and, and that's a lot of work, right? And you have to be on top of it and it's hard, but then they're going to learn. They're going to handle that over time. It's not, they're not going to fight it over time because you've connected each time you've done it. So then when they run out with, and they're barefoot again, let's say a week later, you've been doing this every day for a week, then you might be able to stand at the door and call out to them and be like, Hey, remember the rule? And then they can come to you and get their shoes on. Right. Um, and then once they can handle that, maybe by this point, they've developed the memory and the muscle memory and the skill of remembering to put their shoes on. So they don't even, you don't even have to remind them all that often. Like they're just going to remember, oh, this is the rule. You can also change the environment. This is also part of scaffolding, like keep their shoes by the door, buy slip-on shoes that are just for playing in the backyard to make it easier, like that sort of thing. There's there's lots of ways to make them successful at this thing um, without without punishing, without over-explaining and all of that. So this approach is different than expecting your child to know what to do and punishing them or yelling at them when they don't follow through. And it does take time, but punishing and yelling takes times too. Takes time too. This way builds skills and connection. Punishing and yelling does not build skills and connection. So keep in mind that it is annoying for your kids to listen to explanations and that your kids don't care about your rules and then use that to help you scaffold and provide connected support to help them learn the rules that keep them safe and protected. And it takes time, but it works and it helps them be stronger. And this goes into my next point, which is that boundaries are not always boundaries. And we hear a lot about boundaries these days. So let me, let me explain that. Um, 
so yeah, just a second ago, I was I was talking about boundaries, right? I was talking about how acknowledging that your kids don't care about your rules doesn't mean you have to stop using rules. You can still use rules and boundaries and you should. But the way we talk about boundaries in parenting on social media is, is not a way that's always effective. So it's a good ex- idea to examine this now. So something we might do in our effort to enforce a boundary, this is, this is what I see, is a parent says, if you don't do X, then Y will happen. And we think that's a good boundary because we've told our child our expectation and we've told them the consequence for not following through. Logically, this, is, this does make sense, right? When I'm saying that, like, yeah, why wouldn't that work? Um, so it, it sounds like if you don't get off the counter, you'll go in timeout. Or if you don't do your chore, I'll take your phone away. But the thing is, these aren't really boundaries. These are things that we made up and expected our kids to follow, right? These things make no sense in their brain and they don't care about them. Why would they want to get off the counter? It's fun. Why would they want to do a chore? It's boring. So this is totally made up by you. It's not a fair boundary. And again, I'm not saying we can't have expectations of our kids and we can't have boundaries of our kids, but we can't make up these arbitrary rules with punishments that don't relate and expect our children's behavior to change or expect them to want to change. So that's why it makes more sense to connect. When your child is on the counter, you go and you physically remove them while connecting and loving them. This is like when I had toddlers, I actually loved this stuff. Like when they were getting into something, it was just so nice to go and scoop them up and give them a kiss and, oh, you know, we can't play with the kitty litter. That's icky. Let's go over here, you know? Instead of being across the room, don't touch that, that's gross. Don't touch that, that's gross. If you keep touching that, I'm going to take this away. You hear the difference in that? Um, And because toddlers are my favorite stage, (laughs) that's why I did love this. I know not everybody enjoys that stage, uh, but I just love their cheeks so much. So any excuse I had to pick them up and kiss their cheeks was just like the best thing. Um, And of course, it got a lot harder for me when they got older uh, because we all have our different stages. Uh, That would be fun to talk about sometime. Like... When are you your best parent? What what stage is your favorite stage? And I, I think toddlers, hands down, was I just loved, I just loved the toddler stage. Um, and it was it got a lot harder when they were like three and four and, and having different, having their opinions. You know, toddlers, you can just distract them all the time. Um, but it's a lot different when they're three and four and seven and eight and 14. I love my kids at all stages. But uh, yeah, that, that was a fun, that could be a fun topic sometime to talk about when are you your best um, or when do you enjoy parenting or when does, when, what stage is most natural to you? Anyway, there's a little side note there, but um, back to, back to uh, that. Let's, let's back up a little bit so we can remember what we were talking about. The, the child is on the counter. You physically remove them while connecting and loving them. It's a sweet moment. You pick them off the counter, you kiss their little chubby cheeks I'm going to try and convince you to love the toddler stage because those cheeks are so incredible. So you kiss those chubby cheeks and, oh, sweetie, we can't be on the counter. That's not safe. Let's go jump on our mini trampoline or whatever, whatever it is that, that your child likes. What this does is this helps them attune to what you're saying because you're connecting with them. And then that helps them care about the words that are coming out of your mouth. So again, like with the cat litter suggestion, your child doesn't care when you're saying, ew, that's icky. Like that means nothing to them. When you're across the room, get away from that. That's icky. Don't touch it or I'm going to take this away. 
don't touch it, don't touch it. They don't care. They're so curious, they want to touch it. But when you go and you scoop them up and you give them a kiss and you take them away, oh, that's icky, let's play with something clean. Then you're teaching them what clean and dirty is. In this connected way, it's going to make more sense. Now, it's not perfect. Like my son, when he was a toddler, he loved the outlets and he would just go to them in any house we were in. He'd go straight for the outlets, whether they were covered or uncovered. We had all of ours covered, but it, not everywhere we went was it covered. And it was it was hard to stay on top of him. And I constantly would pick him up. Oh, sweetie, that's not safe. That's not safe. And get him distracted by something else. And so it's not magic. It's, it is It does take work. But you know, it's effective because you are constantly connecting. You are constantly going back and connecting and showing them how to do it the right way. Eventually they learn it. And in the meantime, in the process, your relationship gets strengthened. And so that then can be applied in another place in another situation because they trust you, they love you. When they're near the road and you scoop them up, they're not fighting because they've had so much experience with you pulling them away from the outlet covers, okay? So that's that's just one example. Um, you might have a kid who constantly ran to the road and that that was the challenge. Um, but but that's that's kind of what I'm saying. Like it crosses over to other domains. Like this connection helps them get better in other areas. Even if they're constantly fascinated by the stupid outlets, like they they can they'll outgrow that. And in the meantime, they're developing skills and self-control and connection with you as you continue to do it this way. Hopefully that makes sense. So even if they keep going for the cat litter, you're not, this is not lost effort because what is happening is they are getting better at the, at listening to you, at being safe, at following rules in other domains. Okay. So, um, so what, what you can do again is like, this is not safe for you. This is not clean, whatever. And then show them something they can do. They're going to remember that message over time. That makes sense to them because their parent who loves them and took the time to connect with them, taught them something when they were connected and in a regulated state. And that matters to them. With the chore example, with an older kid, calling it a boundary that if they don't do their chore, they're going to get their phone taken away. It's not a boundary. That's a punishment. It's not a boundary. So remember, they don't care about the chore on its own. They don't care about it and they would never do it if they didn't have to. But when you go over and connect with them, they regulate, they attune to you. They care about the words you say. Even if they still don't wanna do it, they care. They, they feel your care and they want to cooperate because they feel you are cooperating with them. Their parent who loves them and took the time to connect with them, taught them something about contributing to the family when they were connected and in a regulated state. And that matters to them. Even if the chore still isn't personally meaningful to them, even if they're grumbling as they're doing it, it still matters. The connection and the attunement is what's important. And again, remember, this is not a magic trick. It's not permanent. (laughs) Your child will fight back they might fight back a lot. They might fight back a little bit, depends on their personality, but they will. This is not this is not something that's going to solve everything, but they're going to forget, but the, it's, it's the long game work of parenting. That it's, if when you do this over and over and over, then over time, they build up the muscle memory, the actual memory. They build up the routines, the skills, the motivation to do what's being asked of them. 
and it takes work, but so does punishment. So does calling across the room three times, five times. If you don't stop touching that, I'm going to take this away. That takes work too. And punishment and yelling separate us from each other and the behaviors escalate. This work, this work of going over again and again and connecting with them, that connects us. And over time, the issues get smaller and smaller. The resistance lessens. And like I say, my son, it, he just had to outgrow the desire to touch the blasted outlet outlets. I don't know why he wanted that so bad. And I just had to wait for him to outgrow it. But in the meantime, he did develop skills of listening to me in other areas because I just connect, continued to connect in that thing. So resistance lessened in other areas, even though those outlet covers were like sirens to him. Um, now, in the beginning, if you're just starting this, you might need to stay with them for a long time to connect and regulate because they haven't had the experience of of having their parent do that. And that's how it was for me when my oldest was seven. This is when I started doing this and I had to stay for a very long time and I didn't like it because it took so long, but it didn't take so long forever. It didn't, it wasn't even a year. I don't even know if it was a month. I didn't have to do it forever because this this connection, this regulating, this going to them and acting and showing them how to respond, how to do the thing, listening to them, being curious, that helped them get better in other domains so that we, we weren't fighting all the time. We didn't, we didn't have to, I didn't have to constantly be telling them to stop doing something or start doing something because they were listening better and we were more connected. So over time, they need you for that like getting motivated part less and less. They begin to see that you're there for them and they are more willing to cooperate over time. Okay, and now the final thing, the fourth thing is our children don't need to be controlled. That's my final point. Children don't need to be controlled, they just don't. So let me define that. When I say controlled, I'm picturing a parent and this, I've been this parent, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, anything I've talked, I'm talking about, like I'm, I'm either doing it right now or I have done it before. So I was this parent who was focusing on a specific behavior that I wanted from my child and then manipulating situations with punishments or rewards in an effort to control that behavior. That's controlling. Um, that's, that's controlling our children. Um, and that's not what our children need. This parent-child relationship that we have does not need to be about trying to control our child to get the result that we want. What it, what the relationship is, is about connecting with and showing our children how to do the right thing. So they need to see modeling from us. Like we can't sit on the counter if we don't want them to sit on the counter, right? Um, and, and other things like that. That's a silly example that just, since I've been talking about that, but phone phone is such a good one like we can't expect our kids to get off the phone at nine if we're not gonna if we're always getting on the phone or if they're getting on the phone on commercial breaks we can't we can't get after them if we're getting on the phone on commercial breaks we have to model good behavior that's my problem right now too see I, i i'm always telling on myself that's that's something i'm going through and my daughter rightfully is saying mom you're not showing me how to use the phone correctly you can't you can't expect me to do it right if if you're not doing it right and it's, she's right i need to model better behavior about it so our children don't need us to control their actions what they need is for us to see them hear them connect with them and then through that approach they learn how to do the right thing over time Someone who is controlled is going to keep an emotional distance between themselves and their controller, right? Like that's just kind of how it is. You've, you've probably been controlled by 
a parent, a boss, somebody, and you set up walls. Like that's just the way we do it. Um, so we don't need to control our little people. We don't need to make them set up walls around us. We need to connect with them and show them the way. They don't need long explanations. They need connection, modeling, brief direction. We can explain things, but briefly. Remember, instead of, instead of, sweetie, you have to get off the counter because it's not safe to be on the counter. And if you don't get off the counter, then I'm going to take this away from you. And you're saying that across the room. They need our action, picking them up, carrying them away. Oh, the counter is not a safe place to play. This is a safe place to play and putting them there. So when they, when they aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, they don't need a lecture. They need our connection, connected action. Now, again, we can always explain things after the fact, always. We pick up our child from the, from the side of the road, we bring them somewhere else, and we say, it's not safe to play by the side of the road. We talk to our teen, we hear why they're on their phone, and then afterwards we say, I'm really concerned about all the time you're on social media. I'm, I'm worried it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect you negatively. We can talk about that after. But in the moment, we're connecting. We are understanding. We are acting instead of yelling across the room, get off your phone. We are going over. We are talking to them. We can always teach the lessons in a verbal way later. We don't need a lecture though. But in the moment, they need us to connect and to act to help them be successful. And these are the lessons that are going to stick over time. I hope this has been helpful. If it has been, please leave a review or a rating on your podcast app to help other people find these episodes. Thank you so much and have a beautiful day. Thank you so much for pausing and connecting with me today. Your support seriously means the world to me. If you found this episode helpful, I want you to know I have countless other resources for you to find more connection in your motherhood and life. Head to my website, rebeccabrownwright.com to check out my blog, check out my back and forth journal for parents and kids, and take a look at Pause and Connect Academy, where you can find courses to help you stop yelling, find your strengths, and finally get your kids to listen to you. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a positive review, sharing it on social media, or sharing with your friends. I love you, and I want you to thrive in your motherhood and life. Thank you for being here. Now go forth and connect.